Welcome back. This is the Blue Corner. We're back for another week. Um, I will jump straight into it this week, but before I do, please remember to hit that subscribe button, drop us a comment, maybe even a like if you do like it, I guess. Um, but yeah, let, let, let's get on to it. This, this week I got another uh, local Australian fighter. Uh, we're predominantly looking into the world of kickboxing. Um, but I'm pretty sure that, you know, within time, he'll probably jump to a couple of the other martial arts. Um, he has a record of 12 and 0 at the moment, so he's undefeated. Mind you, nine of those are on his amateur record, and then obviously he's, he's come across to the uh, pro records and he's been undefeated 3-0. Th uh, I'm sure it'd probably be up to five or six had COVID not come into play. But anyway, I'm talking about Charles Joyner. Um, can I call you Charles or, or do you prefer Charlie? Uh, depends. People that know me from, I found from when I was a child were calling me Charlie a bit more, but people call me Charles now. But whatever your preference, like Mir, who you had on recently, calls me Charlie. So yeah, whatever you like, whatever you prefer, I'm happy with either. Now, the only reason I ask is obviously I, I, I have spotted a couple of your fights um, and, you know, uh, I, I don't know what it is if you're fighting like tourists over here or something, but like the crowd goes pretty wild when it comes to your fights. Yeah. Um, and the, the roar of Charlie in, in, in the rooms is, is, is quite predominant. Yeah. Uh, so, um, listen, so obviously welcome on board. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah. How, how, how has the uh, start of the year been treating you? I mean, as I said in the intro, you've had a bit of a delay because I, I believe that you um, literally had your pro debut uh, just before COVID hit. Yeah. And then obviously it put the whole world on, on standstill. But how, how's the start of the year been kind of treating you? No, the start of the year has been good. Um, so I had a fight March 27th, which was my toughest my toughest opponent today milos he's been around for a while and i knew going into it it'd be tough it was my first time fighting five five minute uh no sorry five three minute rounds and i definitely felt rounds four and five so that was a that was a good experience so i started the year off strong since then it's been a little bit tricky trying to get opponent and getting matchups um i've spoken about it a bit on social media just the the problem of being ducked but I've got, a, I've got a few things lined up. So, I mean, yeah, so far it's, it's been a good start to the year and it's been good. You know, we haven't had any any sort of restrictions on fight shows or anything like that. So fight shows have been have been rumbling along. So, yeah, can't complain at all. And when you say ducked, have you actually called some people out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been, you know, I had a fight in November. I mean, before the fight, I had, a, had some um, sort of a rival of mine saying that he his team were saying that they wanted the fight and then I won via second round knockout called him out and then suddenly he wouldn't be ready till the end of the year and then after this last fight I've had you know about four five six people saying that they need a warm-up fight before they need to fight me and these are quite experienced guys as well so yeah it's, it's been a little bit frustrating because I don't think that's what the game's about especially you know someone that's quite inexperienced in it themselves you've got experienced world champions telling you that you they need a warm-up fight before they'll fight you i don't really understand it but i've got something soon someone someone agreed to the fight um so that will be in four weeks but but yeah so and what do you what do you think it is that uh, the reason that people are ducking you is it do you think it is because of your clean record at the moment or do you think it's more to do that you're a giant like i have to ask like how tall are you 
six eight six two eight two hundred and three centimeters yeah and uh yeah i use every bit of it in the ring so i think i think i think it does i think that, that does play into it i think it's the clean record i think that it's i'm active on social media i think it's that um i'm yeah i just po like I, I always say to or i've been saying recently to people it's like it's just really hard to prepare for me like you can't like i'm i'm six foot eight but i don't fight like i fight long but i also fight smart i fight evasive i'm quick so you can't really get anyone into spa that's similar to me because it's just uh you know i mean i'm not to say that there aren't good tall fighters but it's just a completely different style of fighting so i think people look at that fight and just go no i'll, I'll go a different direction well john jones is a very long good yeah. fighter but um i mean do you do you do like do you cut a lot of weight not not particularly like i so my last few fights have been at 90 kilos um so i walk around sort of 93 so it's not you know i do a bit of a water load of the week the week of the fight um this next one coming up is going to be 85 kilos so that'll be a little bit more of a cut but i'm with the fight dietitian so he just makes it pretty seamless when we do it so it's never never a problem he's really starting to make some big waves right yeah. like he kind of popped up and 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 like he's working with the who's who right now it's it's incredible but i yeah. i do totally appreciate and the, the one thing i really appreciated when i had him on the show is like i really got a sense of that he is doing it for the athletes rather than the paycheck which in a lot of cases people are like uh work is work right but i i, I do think that he he puts the health of his athletes before before the dollar signs i mean sure he's running a business don't get me wrong but um, I, I just like his approach to things. Um, but no, the, the reason I say you're giant, I mean, when I just met you as well, like walking through the door, I'm like, mate, you, you should be playing basketball. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, you, you could be banking millions. Um, have you have you always just been in the martial arts or have you played other sports? No, yeah, I played other sports. I did, I did play basketball. I also, I did high jump as well. So another, you know, the, the stereotype, stereotypical tall people sport. But... No, I was never into martial arts. I used to look at fighting when I was younger and think, why would anyone want to do that? Like just, I just, I couldn't imagine myself, you know, getting into a ring and just having to deal with that anxiety of doing it. But yeah, I just, I, I started training when I was 20 and um, so I'm 20, just turned 26 now. And yeah, just got into it, not, not intending to fight or not intending to, to, you know, do any competition with it, just really to learn the skill and and yeah one thing led to another and ended up being doing quite well at it and here we are today but i do have to ask you so f f what where was the switch like you know from from going why would anyone want to do this to now i mean at yeah. doing it and not only just doing it you're now doing it on a serious level right like you're actually wanting to to make a run at this yeah yeah oh yeah like doing it now it's like the goal is to be you know the best that i can possibly be and i feel like when i can be that when i'm the best i can put like if i get to that point of being the best i can possibly be then i'll be one of the best in the world if not one of the best to ever do it like that's just how i approach it now the switch when was the switch i think i guess it was a gradual process of you know slowly eliminating that fear to step into the ring like i still get that you know the nerves and that little bit of fear getting in there but um I think just as I got older, I was, I was, you know, I think 
quite disciplined and working towards sport and different aims when I was, you know, in my early teen years. And then as I got older, went to, went to uni and sort of moved away from being disciplined and being, you know, working towards something competitively. And then as, and then, yeah, and just, and sort of doing a couple of years of that, when I came, I just, I just was craving something that would get that discipline and get that, you know, that competitive fire going again. And yeah, and martial arts was the sort of thing that I fell on. And one of the main reasons as well was it was sort of the, during the rise of Conor McGregor and it just captivated me. And I just thought, well, I want to sort of learn that skill. I have to ask you though, because I, I mean, two, two things. Uh, we'll, we'll first touch, I guess, on, on the Conor McGregor. Um, cause I did see that you are quite a big fan of his. Um, do you think we've seen the best of him? Like, do you, you know, and it's, it, and I know it's hard to say when, when, when you are a, a big fan of him, but do you, do you feel because, and you know, there, there's many a reasons where people talk about like waking up when, when you've got silk sheets and, and things like that. But do you think we've seen the best of him or do you think he can make a legitimate run again? I think he's young. I think he can make a legitimate run. I think it's whether... He, you know, whether it, like yeah, the, the silk sheet anal analogy, like it, it's it's used quite often, but it also is true because I mean his mentality was such that when he was younger, he was working towards that that goal, and it was, you know, that sort of had the blinkers on, and and then you get the money, and obviously, I mean, look at his lifestyle now. He's just sort of, I don't know where is he in Dubai still now or Abu Dhabi, but he's just. He's probably on a yacht in the middle yeah. of the ocean. Like I don't, I don't know where yeah. he is. But like you know, it's it's kind of one of those cases. As, as I say, like when when he first came up, obviously we mm. all know the story of him being on welfare, which that's where a lot of hunger comes from, right? And he and he really made that that beeline to the championship and then to the first champ champ. But it just seems like, and I won't say once again. You're you're right. He he's young, but it just seems like ever he made ever since he made that one one hundred mil from the uh, Mayweather fight. I just feel like he's like uh, one foot in, one foot out. If that makes sense. Yeah, and it's weird because it's like, well, if he was just in it for the money, he literally doesn't have to do it anymore. I mean, what he just, I mean, his whiskey just went. Um, what did, they, did it become? He just sold. Did he sell six hundred mil? Yeah, I mean. He, do, he literally does not have to do this anymore to make money. Like the money is inconsequential for him. So obviously there is still some hunger there to, to compete. So that's why I still think that he could, he's just got to try and sort of find the mindset that maybe, I don't know, just, yeah. Like that sort of the Mayweather, how, like how did Mayweather stay competitive and stay disciplined when he was making so much money? Maybe he's got to, he's got to study him a bit and see what he was doing to, to maintain that but i think it's still it definitely is still possible i think anyone can switch their mindset at any given time so yeah all right we'll we'll finish it up on that but like one thing i just want to say do you see him wearing uh holding a belt again at any point and if so at what weight class well i think i think yeah the i mean the lightweight division right now is probably his most likely that he can do it really i don't I don't really see him being able to go up to world away and beating Usman. I think just the just the size difference would be too much there. And especially with someone that relies on that 
that sort of that knockout power early in the rounds. I just don't see him finish being able to finish Usman like that. I think the lightweight division now it's stacked, but you know maybe he could, wouldn't be able to beat Khabib, but everyone else in there, I definitely think he could beat. So I think, yeah, I think we'll see him win win the light belt or lightweight belt again. And I think the combat sports world is just so much more entertaining when McGregor's a champion and McGregor's winning. So. Yeah. I don't even think he needs to be a champion. I, I, mm. I think, and that's what I'm saying. Like he'll always go down as a legend of the sport. I don't think he'll go down as one of the goats of the sport, if that makes sense. Mm. Like I, I do feel like he's changed the game for everybody involved. Um, and as you say, he's entertaining. I mean, his press conferences are probably the most entertaining. There, when it comes to press conferences, hands down, he's the goat. But like in 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 the realm of fighting, I, I think like he opened a lot of doors. He achieved a lot. But I kind of feel like I don't know. I I I, I don't really see him holding the belt again but i could be wrong uh i mean look i I normally get a few fighter picks at the end of each episode but since we're on this topic i'll get it right now how do you see dustin versus connor three do you do you think he's able to make the adjustments and beat dustin um and if so how uh and how do you like that fight oh it's yeah so whenever people ask me picks i always just say just knowing how what a fight is like and it's just so because I know that it's so important to know what their mindset is like at that time, you know, to be able to truly see how they're going to do. And then you want to be able to look at his training camp. Like I don't know who he's training with at the moment. I don't know. Like if I was, if I was in his position, I feel like I'd want to go and, you know, just go and go in the woods somewhere, lock myself down, get a team together. He's got the money to be able to do it, have the perfect team for this camp and then just shut down and do it. But it looks like he's still, you know, gallivanting, like you said, the gallivanting around on the yacht. So, I mean, I think if I had to pick it, I probably would say I think Poirier wins again. Just just because I think, yeah, Poirier's just got that 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 dog attitude. Like, he'll just, he, he'll be putting the work in right now. He's not going to be satisfied with just beating him once. Like, he wants the 2-1 sort of, because he knows how much that can just change his life again, just help him level up again. So, I think, yeah, I think... Deep down, Poirier probably gets it done again, really. Which is interesting. I totally agree with you on that. I, I'm picking Poirier. I, I think uh, this division is made for Poirier. He's he's strong, man. He's just a dog. He's strong. Um, the only reason I was kind of asking you that is because you said you can see Connor holding the belt again. Yeah. And I, I guess the only path I could see that is him winning against Dustin right now and then getting the title shot after Chandon Oliveira. But if you're saying Dustin is potentially going to beat Connor, what kind of path do you see for him to get to that belt? Well, I think like can I see him winning the belt again? Yeah, I think he's got the he's got the skills, he's got the you know that he's got the mindset in there somewhere to be able to do it. So it's like if he makes those adjustments, I think he can definitely win the belt again. I mean, I think it, it feels like Connor's always just one step away from the belt anyway. You know, like he loses this, so Say he loses this, then maybe he fights, you know, maybe the loser of Chandler Oliveira. He wins that, and then he's right back in line for a a title shot. So I think he's never too far away from it. And and he is, is he 32, 31, 32? That I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, so, I mean he, he's still relatively young. Yeah. He, he can continue to go for a while. Mm. So I think, yeah, I think it's, yeah. It's a funny one. I try not to let my, you know, affections for someone 
blind my judgment of or being able to look at the situation as it is because i mean it looks like he's just training in like a ufc gym over in Abu Dhabi. like hidden. i'm sure he's doing more than that but he's just yeah who knows i don't know the, the the footage i've seen is him riding a push bike down some like santa monica wharf kind of feel right like yeah. he's, he's doing a lot of bike riding at the moment yeah. but listen i mean you, you talk about like not knowing what what team he's training with at the moment and things like that i want to bring it back to you um because i know um past interviews i've seen of you, you you talk about like obviously not just being at one gym and and you talk a lot about building a team um i kind of want to ask you on that like how how do you what is the process behind uh the team that you've built around yourself if that makes sense yeah so for me the process is really you know the, okay so the first we'll start with where I started, which was Evolution Gym. And I've been there since day one, literally the first gym that I walked into. And I think I was really blessed in that I walked into a gym and came across a coach that just absolutely has the right mindset that meshes well with mine to be able to guide me to where I need to go. And the funny thing is, it's not, I didn't walk into the gym and there have ha, there happened to be heaps of fighters. He was sort of going more down a commercial route at the time and wanting to do you know, the, yeah, just sort of like the commercial classes and stuff like that. But over time, we just sort of, yeah, just started building this, um, this fight resume and just built these goals together. And, and yeah, it sort of never looked back really from there. And so his, his name's Adrian Adelzade. Um, but yeah, so for me, the, the mindset and the sort of approach of the coach is really important as well. Like I've, you know, I've, as you do with you know different disciplines like strength and conditioning um the other martial arts different sparring partners and stuff you come across people and it doesn't click and i think it's sometimes it's easy just to just to stay with them to avoid the the drama of changing or or stepping out of your comfort zone and going somewhere else but i think it's really important just to to be able to make changes and and go to different places if the need be so you know one of the changes i made was with my strength and conditioning going to ethos i was at somewhere else before and it wasn't a bad place but it was a bit more of like a crossfit sort of place but and that was more you know breaking the body down and not being right for training whereas ethos is all just about building it up and making sure that you can focus on the primary objective which is obviously the martial arts side of it and you've you've obviously met mir um and i'm i'm sure you know what the ethos you know culture is all about and it's well i was going to ask you because obviously i tried to ask Mia what he's putting in the water to get all you guys to like get <laughs> over there and stick but like and he gave me a little bit of a, a lowdown but like from from an athlete's point of view what what is it about ethos that uh, i guess uh gravitates towards you to bring bring you back because as i say like when it comes to the scene over here he's literally i guess like the fight dietitian he's got the who's who right and it doesn't matter if it's uh mma boxing kickboxing it just seems like anyone that's involved in any sort of combat sports, I mean, obviously, I, I do say Sydney-based. You, you don't have guys flying down from Queensland every day, but uh, mm. um, it, it, it seems like he's really got a hold of that market. So, like, from, from an athlete's perspective, what, what is it, uh, like, uh, or as I say, what, what, what's he putting in the water? Um, what is – okay, so I think what attracts you probably or gets your attention first is that he is working with these – big names of the people so you know before i joined i saw that he was working with 
George Cambosis, working with Tyson Pedras. So that, that straight away attracts your attention because these guys are fighting on a high level. They're well-known guys and they're putting their trust in this person. And I also had some friends that were there and they'd spoke highly. So then you go there and, but that, that's, that's a superficial thing really, because that, that doesn't really mean much. And if you go there, the coaching is rubbish and it's just not a good environment. So, but when, as soon as you go in there, you like everything. So first things first, they do an assessment on you. So then straight away, all your programs are tailor-made to what your body needs to be able to adapt and grow and become athletically, you know, reach the potential your highest potential so there's that side of it which is the you go in there knowing that you're actually building yourself up not and you, you don't really have those doubts that you're ever breaking yourself down whereas you know when i've done other strength and conditioning you're kind of thinking oh is this right like i feel like i'm injuring myself doing this i feel like this is not going to be able to benefit my other training and then there's just the element that whether you're you know about to fight for the you know, the, the unified belts as George Cambosis is, or you're a, a bloke that's, you know, some of our guys from evolution gym go there and they haven't, they're about to have their amateur debut, but they put the same care in it. The coaches put the same care and attention into each one of those people. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are when you step in there. As soon as you, as you're part of the team, you're an ethos athlete and you're going to be looked after and you can be confident that you're going to be getting the best, just the best, not service but you know the best coaching that you possibly can get so and then i guess all that's great and then there's so you got all you've got all that base you know that that core stuff that is the most important thing about the coaching and then they just market themselves so well they do the social media so well so you've got such a great offering and then it's promoted to everyone everyone knows about them so you know how can you not have the who's who when you've got just ticking all the boxes like that but I have to ask you, talking about uh, social media and obviously them cu customizing their program around you, um, I was actually on their socials this morning and there, there's a clip like, um, which obviously will go back to the Conor McGregor as well. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but um, there, there was a little bit of touch butt going on in there. And uh, <laughs> I, I want to know, what, what was going on there? Um, were they cute? Or uh, are you denying that that was actually you? Because as I say, you don't actually see you, but they've tagged your name in it. So what, what was going on there? I think that was just me happy with, um, you know, happy with his creation. He's, he's been trying to get me to grow some glutes for a while. So he was just showing off what he's been working on for the past couple of years. But uh, I don't know where you're going with that. And then I remember, because I hadn't, I saw that he tagged me in a few stories, but I came straight from there to here and I hadn't had time to look. But I do remember something being filmed when I was warmed up. So I assume that's what you were talking about. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was me. It was me. I have to look at the video to see if, I, if I'm proud of if it was me or not. But yeah, it was, um, yeah. You know, it's, it's good fun there as well. We have, we have a laugh. Like we got, we got big characters in there and it's not, you know, everyone trains hard, but it's also, yeah, having a laugh and enjoying it. So you, when you go in there, you just know that your, your spirit's going to be lifted and you're going to get good work in. So, so yeah. Nice, nice. Now you also say through that gym, did uh, you, you've got athletes like Tyson and Ty uh, Tuivasa? Yeah. Um, did you know them before you you were going to that gym, or or was that like a relationship you now built at the gym? That was a relationship I built at the gym. So, and that that's the other that's the other good thing about it is that you go in there and you it's a it's just you're networking and you're meeting all these high level people. So then you know you start training with them, and then your game's elevated. So it's another. It's another attraction 
you know, an attraction point for people or a selling point for people to go there is that you're going to be, you know, like a few of the boxers spar with, with George Cambosis and, you know, the MMA guys get to spar together. The keep, you know, the, the kickboxers will spar with some of the box. Like it's just, it all just works out and you're, so your, your, your team and your access to high level athletes is just increased by going there as well. So, yeah. Because I could be wrong, but I, I do believe, I don't know if I read it or if I saw it in another video, um, you ended up actually being part of uh, Bam Bam's fight camp um, yeah. at some point and it even took you across the fight island or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so how, how did that um, come about? So before his fight for UFC uh, Melbourne against the Russian, I can't, remember, I can't remember the guy's name that he fought, but I just started sparring with him a bit for that one. And then, yes, yeah, so that went well. We got good rounds in. And then during COVID, he called me up and he was staying in Newcastle at the time and he just said that he was fighting Stefan Struve. And, you know, when you're in Australia and you need a tall kickboxer, there's only one person to call. So, so yeah, he he called me and I just went and just sparred with him. And I think the part, the fight get, kept on getting pushed back. So I mean, we were we were sparring and training from sort of June to October, and for me it was perfect because there weren't any fights going on, and I was getting just good quality rounds, you know, twice a week for all of that time. So I felt like I really elevated my game. And then yeah, he um, took me across the to fight Ireland in October, which was yeah, an awesome experience. And do you want to like talk a little bit about that experience? Cause I mean, yeah. not many, we, we all see fight Island, but we don't, we don't, none of us actually get to go over there, especially in the current stage. I'm sure, mm. uh, once the borders open, it'll become a bit of a holiday destination, but, uh, well, I, I guess that's what they're banking on by, by obviously the deals that they've made with, uh, the UFC. Cause it is more or less like a, um, I guess, a tourism ad. Uh, for Abu Dhabi and, and, and such. But uh, from you, like, what, what was the experience like? Because obviously the videos that I've seen, I always say it kind of looks like a sci-fi flick, especially when you first arrive um, with, with, with the guys with the hazmat suits and then all the uh, testings that they do and, 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 and things like that. But like, yeah, from, from your end, what was the experience like? Yeah, it was, it was, it was obviously it was exciting because it just sort of at a time when nothing was really happening well, a lot was happening, but at the same time, nothing was really happening in terms of being able to fight and stuff like that. So yeah, it was. I mean, like first we we got the old, we got the whole pretty much the whole plane to ourselves on the way over there, which was pretty cool. Which and for me being tall, just good to be able to stretch out and not have to worry about being crammed in next to people. Did they put you at the front of the plane? No, it was um, it was it was economy, but it was like. It was, it was just the th it was like the three of us in the whole thing so it felt felt like a private plane with you know however many seats 200 seats or whatever it was but yeah no it was and then obviously getting there i mean it was a it was cool experience you're pretty you're pretty locked down obviously because you get there you know you're led pretty much straight from the plane there's no one in the airport you're led all the way through the airport um the sort of the guards or the escorts don't leave your side you get on the bus and then you you're in there and then straight away you're i think we probably got tested first and then get taken to our room where you got to stay for two days and i was sharing a room with ty which was um and locking him up for two days without being able to leave is uh yeah i wouldn't recommend it but no it was 
it was yeah it was a good time it's obviously a lot of laughs as well but yeah and then so obviously locked up for two days and you're so you're not you're not seeing too much but then you go from being locked up from two days and then and me not having been to a ufc event before like the other boys were laughing at me um ty and then his coach stevie ashby were laughing at me because i was just like a kid in the candy shop just excited to go and do the things all the time and then I, as soon as we got let out of the out of our two-day quarantine we go down to the buffet breakfast and it's just it's just filled with like all the the ufc fighters down there and it was actually at the time when Kamzat was really popular and had been fighting really regularly and i hadn't seen anyone but ty for two days so i was you're socially you're a bit off anyway because you're just sort of you know what i mean like it's you've just been locked away for two days and you haven't seen anyone else so i was just sort of looking around and then i'm eating and then someone sits opposite us and i remember i was just i was just and i looked up and then you know when you like do the double take because you you realize and i and i realized it was Kamza and i just like, did the double take like that but he happened to be looking at me just as i did it so it's just the it's just the cringiest i was like oh man that's your first impression on fired island but then he was cool like he came in a like came and introduced himself to ty and shook all our hands and stuff like that but after those little like those first few moments i relaxed and you got used to seeing everyone everyone around and and everyone was really friendly and you, then you just start realizing that everyone's just a normal person and and they're they're no different to anyone else they're just they're just fighting at a you know or they're they're competing at a higher level and they've they've actually gone through the same process and the same ranks as you have to get there so that was that was really cool to see yeah please tell me you went on the racetrack every single person that that has gone to fight island they talk about the racetrack but no one actually uh, like takes advantage of it nah no we didn't we didn't no we didn't go on the racetrack there were like little there were people practicing i found it weird because there were like little there were people practicing on it sort of every day just with the you know the smaller like practice cars on there and they were yeah they were just noisy as but no we didn't i don't know I don't, and then it was weird as well because we're like the racetrack goes through the hotel and then we're in so we're in the hotel and then one night there was lot there was about i'd say a thousand people like running around like jogging around it and on their bikes and walking around it which was kind of going through our bubble like we we're in a bubble but then all these people from the outside were just allowed to go through the track which was going through the hotel so yeah no didn't didn't go on the racetrack and i have to ask just because ty's a bit of a character like being locked up for two days with him yeah was it hard? Like, where, where you did you did you guys get into any sort of like uh, like was he itching for a fight or, or what was going on? Like, because I I know he 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 sometimes does some crazy things and stuff. Like, what was that two days like? No, it was pretty it was pretty mellow. Like, uh, we've got that relationship. We've got a funny relationship. Like the it's like little brother, older brother. So he just he just rips on me the whole time, and then I try and give it back, but my banter is just not as not as sharp. So I normally just I just end up copping the bad end of it but no he was he was fine he just wanted to get he just wanted to get out there and obviously focus for the fight the real struggle was the the two weeks after when we got back to sydney and we had to stay in the the quarantine for two weeks then because he'd obviously won and he was itching to get out and celebrate but he was locked up with us and we had a few little arguments then that's uh probably about one a day but well, I guess the difference there is instead of two days, it's two weeks. But I mean, yeah. the, the the positive on that is, 
the two days he probably wasn't throwing down shoeys, where in, in the two weeks he probably could have a couple of beers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a few, had a few beers in the two weeks after. Not too many, actually. Uh, I think he saves it for when he can actually party and go hard. But yeah, but it was hard for the two weeks afterwards because I was actually training for a fight. So I, I had a fight two weeks after we got out of quarantine. So I was just in full fight camp mode, doing two sessions a day. I was lucky, like we got. We had a Meriton suite with three bedrooms, so we we got lucky. We had a had a big space. We had all weights delivered, mats delivered, equipment delivered. So Stevie Coral, we call him, was um, holding pads for me and putting me through a training camp in quarantine. And then Ty was just ordering Uber Eats and just enjoying the the post fight, the post fight, yeah, the post win. Yeah. All right, so let, let, let's get back to you though. Um, so obviously, you you go to Evolution. Um, was it always your your sort of I guess first pick to to do kickboxing? I, I guess like when we talk about the martial arts, like why kickboxing? It was actually well the reason I when I first so the two fighters that I liked the most and probably so the one that I got that I was a fan of beforehand before Conor McGregor was actually Anthony Joshua. Uh, the the heavyweight boxers, I'm sure the listeners will know, but and it was at the time when he was coming up, and I was I was actually born in England, so you know get patriotic and and support you know the the local fighters from there, but and and just because of you know the way he looks and it was just he was just knocking everyone out. I was just always watching his highlights and stuff like that, and I was keen to start training boxing around that time, and then it was when I saw McGregor knock out Aldo, and I was actually in a I was in a bar in manly and everyone was just going crazy when it happened and i just thought oh it, that was the little spark that made me go okay i'm gonna sign up for a gym and i originally wanted to find a boxing gym evolution had had boxing but they had got rid of it i think or, and, and we're just going to focus on kickboxing so but that old timetable said boxing and then i inquired and then adrian said oh no we've only got kickboxing so okay well i'll come and try kickboxing that and then I think it was honestly probably the perfect sport for me to start in because I'm just all legs as well. Like my legs are just like that of someone that's seven foot tall. So yeah, kickboxing was probably the, it was just one of those things that was meant to happen, I think. Now that you bring up AJ, I hate doing this right now. Like I, as I say, I always do the uh, fight picks at the end, but yeah. I, I have to ask you now and, and, and being from, from England, um, obviously they, they haven't announced it officially yet but all the talks right now is obviously it will be uh, uh the gypsy king and aj um who are you backing on that one and 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 how do you how do you see that one play out oh it's another i'm so bad with fight picks because i just i just know that there's just so many different sides to it but i don't know the gypsy king just looks so hard to beat you know what it was when i was watching so i think what plays into aj's favor is that he's fought he's fought more recently um, so he fought Pulev in December. But when I was watching him fight Pulev, I was just thinking that he looked good. And look, to be fair, you can only fight to the level of, you know, the person that you're fighting. It's hard to, you know, unless you're, you know, he knocked him out. He didn't really get hurt. He did what he needed to do. But uh, just looking at how, you know, Tyson Fury just took away Deontay Wilder like that, I think, and just and had no fear towards what Wilder could do to him. I think Fury's going to be hard to beat. But I, I can see it being a war. I don't think I don't think AJ won't. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a war. I'd say at the moment I'm, I'm thinking that 
Fury will probably edge it, if I'm honest. But and it's one of those I love Fury as well. So whoever wins, I'll kind of be happy with. And there's going to be a, I think there'll be a second and third fight as well. I think they'll just milk that as much as they possibly can. Which is which, which is crazy. I mean, I respect the honesty, but it's crazy that your your, fav- your favorite kind of fighters are AJ and and Connor. Yeah, and you've picked both of them to lose. <laughs> I, I'm just putting it out there, but I mean, yeah. I respect the honesty. I mean, sometimes, as I say, especially like if you're a betting person, I always say you, you got to take your heart out of it, right? Mm. Um, but um, yeah, so obviously you you started with the kickboxing. Is is it your intention to to always remain in kickboxing, or or do do you think you'll end up, um, I guess, uh, coming across to the dark side? The dark side being the dark side being MMA as opposed to boxing but uh yeah no i think i've I've got big goals with with what i want to do for kickbox with what i want to do for kickboxing and in kickboxing so i think just to be the person and the fighter that i want to be mma is gonna have to be the mma is the goal you know the next step of that goal there'll be some boxing you know involved in there as well and because i think for me it's about you know, I don't, not necessarily focused on making millions of dollars, not necessarily focused on trying to become famous or anything. It's just for me, it's, and it was um, a word that I've been using a lot the past couple of weeks is mastery, especially after seeing uh, Jiri, I can't pronounce it, is it pra, Prahachia? The last name of I'm not even going to try. Yeah. Because um, the same guy. thing, like my number one fear when I when I run these things is butchering someone's name. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll either do exactly what you say, Yuri, that's it. We know who we're talking about yeah. or uh, I'll try to find a nickname or something like that. But that, that's probably my worst concern. But yeah, mm. um, I know who you're talking about. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Well, yeah, no, he, so he was, and I liked how he, in his post-fight speech, he was saying about, you know, the, the ego side of him, you know, there's the temptations to use that, the money that he won for, you know, women and, and the cars and stuff like that. But his true, what does his true self want to do? And his true self wants, would want to lock himself away in, in a forest and just focus on just mastery, just mastery, mastery, mastery. And then all that other stuff will come if you want it, if you achieve, you know, if you, if you achieve that mastery, all, all that other stuff will come. So that, that's what I'm focusing on at the moment. And for me to achieve mastery, I think it's 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 challenging myself, stepping out of my comfort zone, you know, being winning world titles in kickboxing, but also having boxing fights, having Muay Thai fights, and then stepping into MMA as, you know, one of the best strikers that the sport's ever seen. I guess though, like obviously talking about the timeline as well. So you you said you started at twenty. You're now twenty six. Um, like when when you kind of and I know you can't predict these things, but um, when when you're kind of looking at that timeline, is, have you got sort of goals? Like have you have you said to yourself, you know, in the next two years, I want to take up boxing, and then by the time I'm I, I guess thirty, I'll be in the MMA. Do do you ever think about things like that, or are you just more like? We'll, we'll we'll see how it runs or are you one to as i say plan ahead um yeah i do plan ahead i remember a few years ago i wrote some goals down for the kickboxing in terms of ages of what i wanted to be and i've just i've just sort of blown i've just done the, all those things a lot earlier than i than i thought i would and it um so i haven't you know i haven't put 
times down and dates down for for the other things. I think I know I know what I like to do is I just I just sort of push myself every day and 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 work at, do as much work as I possibly can towards things. I feel like I'm I'm good at doing that. And obviously I need a I need a you know spark the ignition a little bit more with some things, but I find that I like to also go off feel of when the time feels right to start doing things. I think like this this year I I really want to just pick up how much I'm fighting and just be really as active as much as possible and that and that because that feels right for this time as opposed to trying to you know maybe a few years ago when I was still learning I needed to take a little bit time between of time between fights and learn and but now it feels like if I could fight every every month every third week I I would do that and that that sort of feels like the right time for now and not not forcing myself in that sort of thing so I think yeah, I think when the, you know, I'm, I'm already working towards those things now, like the transition to MMA and stuff like that. I'm doing some little, you know, behind the behind the scenes training sessions that aren't making their way to social media yet. But it's, so things are happening. So I think, yeah, it's just when the time's right, I'll be able to, to step in there. And talking about remaining active and stuff like that. So when, when you turn pro and then, as I say, COVID hit, how hard was that initial period like to to um, stay motivated? I mean, where you know when when because I know like a lot of people when when they've got fights coming up and as you say they stay active, it's very easy because you're like, okay, well I, I got to stay motivated because otherwise I'm going to get my ass handed to me, right? But like when when you have that period that we all had where basically we don't even know, you know, the next time we can go to a wedding, for instance, like mm. it was really at that point. Um, how, how did did you let yourself go a little bit or or did you remain motivated and if so where, where did that kind of drive come from if i'm being completely honest i yeah i didn't i didn't let myself go at all during during lockdown i and i think it's because i focused on that and it wasn't a word that i was thinking of at the time but it was that concept that concept of mastery and it was what's the goal what's the goal the goal is not to be what if I okay, so if I like look at I've had this discussion with a few friends recently. If you like look back on what lockdown was and take away, you know, the pandemic and the fear that that brought and obviously the struggling and the anxiety of not really knowing what's coming next. But what what I was doing during lockdown was probably the perfect way that I could live my life to achieve that mastery and achieve what I wanted to achieve. Like I I was just and, and and because I had those you know those goals in the forefront of my mind I was able just to stay disciplined and I I, I wrote out a, a daily plan of what I needed to do and it was like you know wake up do my morning routine which is like Wim Hof breathing meditation so I made sure I do that then the next thing was okay go and train so I had a plan from ethos that I could incorporate all the stuff I had at home did my plan from ethos and it was like during the day I've got to analyze three fights i've got to read two chapters of, a, of the book i'm reading i've got to and make sure i was ticking all those things off and then it was going train in the evening and i was lucky that i had a key to evolution gym and no one else was using it so i could be i could i felt comfortable that it wasn't going to be you know contaminated by anything because we didn't really know what was going on with the whole covid thing so i knew i was the only one using it and i was just putting in like two hour training sessions there working on 
technique and the stuff that I'd analysed from my from the fights that I'd analysed and then come home, you know, do my recovery routine. And I was just, I was literally just, that's all I did every single day of, um, and then had, had Sundays off and I just stuck to that routine. And one, probably the main thing it did was just kept, kept my mental health just in check. Cause I felt like I was leveling up and evolving and just ready for whatever was coming next. And then year two, I was just, I was just, yeah, it, it, it created a, a thing of like, now I know that whatever happens, I'm going to be able to have that discipline because if, even when the world's crumbling around, I'm still, and it might look crazy to someone else, but for me, it was like the most sensible thing I could do. Just, just make that routine and, and work towards the next thing. And I, and I truly feel like I came out of that lockdown period, just like completely leveled up person and fighter. So, yeah. I love the fact that at the top of your list is, get up yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That, get that, that's an important one like <laughs> I, I love the fact that that's actually on your list i gotta wake yeah. up that, yeah. that, that's an important one i mean come on um but but you gotta start your day that, that's it um but i have to ask you like obviously after having that time off even though you you remain somewhat motivated and 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 as you said you leveled up did, did you experience any ring rust once the time was to 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 get back in there like and and i guess what i mean by that is like obviously you know you whether it be amateurs or pros you you were pretty active um and then you have this layoff and as i said i mean everyone had the layoff but was it a different feeling like and i'm talking about the first fight back what was was there definitely a different feeling um so there wasn't really i think i actually felt i felt way better which was which was good i mean it, so there was a layoff it was so march to november so what's that that's about nine months yeah eight, eight, months. eight nine months so it wasn't too long and i think the reason that i felt so good was because i'd been sparring with ty and then we'd been getting other good sparring partners in like sam k who's just won the um the hex heavyweight title he's been a you know a top sparring partner of mine for a while and just sparring all people like that i mean the rounds that ty and i were having were you know we'd be at Anthony Parosh's at AP's gym in the cage there and have sort of quite a crowd of people around and we were having like really competitive like high paced rounds so I mean and I was getting nervous before those like I would before any fight because I just knew that you know Thailand's a clean one and it can be good night so I think I'd just been because I'd been in that environment and then I think going to fight Ireland just made me feel so confident as well because I'd sort of been at that pinnacle been around you know seeing people like Khabib and you know being in that environment of feeling the nerves for Ty knowing that it was a pretty high pressure situation for him and being in that back room with him and then walking out and you know seeing Bruce Buffer and then Stefan Struve is over there and all those things I felt like those sort of experiences just helped me help me level up and if ring rust exists, just shake any of that ring rust that was off and just get me in that, that sort of peak state that I needed to be in. So I felt it was weird. It, I don't know some fights, like my last fight, I felt a bit heavy and I felt, but, and, but the, that one fight, that first fight after the COVID times, I just felt, it was just one of those where everything just felt light. And then when I'd hit him with something, it felt like, it was like every time I hit him was just like hitting the sweet spot and it was, I could just see the damage it was doing. It was, that was a good feeling. And, and I think 
what happened in the last fight, although I won it, it was closer than I would have liked it to be. And I think I was expecting it to feel like the fight before. And then when it didn't, I could feel myself. It's like, oh, well, I didn't have a plan B. That was my plan A, that it was going to feel like that. So I had to adjust on the fly. So, yeah. I have to ask you then, like, uh, out of your 12 fights, um, you know, as, a, as I said, you're 12 and 0. Um, mm. What has been your toughest fight and why? I'll say the last one for sure. And it was because, so Milos, he's, he's, he's been around for a long time, had a lot of pro fights and you know, I think he I think he's won the King of the Ring, a four-man King of the Ring before and stuff like that. So he's experienced and he was a good opponent and I knew he'd be tough. And the sort of the first three rounds I was, you know, I felt like I was, yeah, just just outclassing him. But then... I just my my work rate started to drop off in the fourth and fifth and his was just maintained so in I feel like in the fourth and he definitely won the fourth and fifth rounds because I know that I was taking heats of damage so I felt my defense and movement was still pretty good but what the main thing I was noticing was because I hadn't been pushed to that point in a fight before and I and that's probably the hardest I'd ever been pushed in my life I could my mind hadn't been to that spot before so I could feel my mind starting to to crumble and the little doubts creeping in because I guess it, it was it was at a breaking point it was at somewhere that it hadn't been before and I and it was it felt more like the rounds four and five of that fight felt more like a battle of my of my mind and my mentality more than anything else and I think that's why it was so difficult and I wouldn't say at any point he hurt me like he didn't you know I've, I've been rocked in a in a couple of fights before I'm not badly not, not being dropped or anything like that but you know, being flashed. And I didn't I didn't get that in this fight. I didn't really get any big body shots that made me, you know, lose my breath. But it was more just that the relentless pace that he was setting and just knowing that he was just tough and he wasn't going away. So I had to I had to hang on and, and sort of battle with my mind in those last rounds. So yeah. And is it purely a, a cardio thing? Like what was it, so you're saying that was the only time you did a five round fight, right? Uh, first five three-minute rounds. I've done five rounds before, but it was two-minute rounds. Yeah, so it was purely a, a cardio thing? I don't know if it was cardio. It was more... I feel like my cardio is good and my conditioning is good. Like, I've always had... Like, I, you can ask me. I've got the con all the conditioning records at uh, at Ethos. I know. No, Tyson's got one, but I've got two of them, which I always throw in his face. But... So what, Ty's a, a cardio king? No, Tyson, Tyson. Oh, Tyson. Not oh, Ty. Yeah, yeah, okay. okay. I was, was going to say, damn, I, I wasn't expecting that. Nah. Okay, Tyson. But he's, yeah. he's fit. Ty's fit. Like, he's he's not unfit. Like, he's an athlete. He's 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 good. He's good. But Tyson, no, Tyson's, yeah, Tyson's fit. Tyson's an athlete. Yeah. Are we going to see him back soon? Like, what, yeah. what what's going on with Tyson? He, he'll be back. He'll be back soon. I think September they're looking around that time. So, he's, he's looking good. I spar I've sparred him a bit. A few months ago and he's yeah he's always dangerous so he, he he's leveled up in the time he's been you know he's he's just stayed in the gym and stayed disciplined and been rehabbing and doing the rehab properly so he's yeah and going back to the five round fights would you prefer uh i guess if more fights were five round or are you happy to go back down or you know what i'm saying like because yeah. obviously with 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 the mma side of things we always talk about that the main event is um five round or um title fights of five round and the problem I see with that is if you're a champion, you've done like, you know, five, six uh, sort of 
defenses, you're used to that five round ground uh, grind, right? Which means anyone that's coming up to challenge you, as you say, suddenly they get to rounds four and five, and it kind of feels like they're in deep water because they, whether they haven't paced themselves correctly or or, or something like that. Would you like to see, I guess, more five round fights just in general? I think the only problem, I think in theory, it would be good. But I think the problem would be that it's like if you had a whole UFC card or a card that was all five round fights, it would just you'd have to have a either have a yeah know, the have, event the event would go for two days yeah like that that's yeah. the problem and I totally see that but I mean for instance like they're thinking about making or they're not thinking they are going to make this Diaz Edwards fight a five rounder and mm. it's not going to be the main event or anything so I'm just saying like maybe you know when they as I say either a title fight or a main event fight what if we go uh, from now on, main events and co-main events, regardless if there's a yeah. title involved. Just so, because obviously if you're in the co-main event, you're kind of like heading towards that maybe title shot picture. And I'm just saying to to kind of condition yourself because, you know, I mean, yeah. you could probably speak more on it, but it is a different game, right? Like yeah. adding those extra two rounds, it, it, it kind of throws you down the deep end. 100%. No, yeah, I think that's good, yeah. That, that would be good doing that. And it's like a progression sort of thing. So it's, you know, when you're... I guess they do that well in boxing, don't they? Because they start with four, four threes and then they go... Six, six eight, 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 ten, ten yeah. twelve. And then they used to have 15, didn't they? But then they got rid of that. But yeah, I think I think that would that would make sense. And and you could just literally, yeah, like you said, go, you go from either a three-round fight and then maybe, you know, the the three the three the top three fights on a card are just five rounders and i think i think i think the fans would like that as well because there are some fights you're just like oh i wish they went for another two rounds and look it ain't it ain't mean that it's going to go five rounds i mean you could still finish it mm. in two rounds right like i mean look yeah. at usman right now what he did right it's yeah. um I, I i guess and the other qu- uh, question on that since you said the fans would like it there, there's a little thing that i kind of came up with and i just want to get a fighter's perspective all right Right, so we have a three-round fight at the moment. Just this is hypothetical, right? Um, and it ends up in a draw. Yeah, uh, I know Josh Coolibale was kind of really defeated yeah, with yeah. that, right? Like when I had him on, he said he was really defeated, obviously as well because he he felt like he was only going to get his show purse because obviously he didn't mm. win. It was a draw. Um, as a fighter, would you are you happy with a draw, or would you prefer to go look on the off chance that there's a draw? And it's not like it happens often. Um, we go into a sudden death round. So basically, if it's a three-round fight, it could potentially end up a uh, four-round fight. And I guess yeah. even with a title, um, if it's a five-round fight and for whatever reason it's a draw, we, we have a sudden death kind of six-round. How how do you feel about something like that? Yeah, I think I think that makes I think that makes sense. I think they do. They used to do that in. I don't know if they still do that in Glory. They used to do it in K1 in the K1 Grand Prix. Yeah, and it would just be. Yeah, you can't. How can you have a fight finish on a draw? Because it's not a draw, really, is it? Like, it's not. You can't draw a fight. I don't think like there's there is a winner. So I think you've got to you've got to find that winner. And yeah, especially yeah, if it if it goes to an extra an extra round, then and you've got to dig deep and and you're banged up and that will. I mean the the reasons people wouldn't want to do it is because it's you know oh, well I've only prepared for three rounds and you know I'm injured and whatever but it's like yeah but we're fighters like it's about testing yourself and challenging yourself so yeah i like it 
extra round. And also, there's your chance of getting your win purse, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, once again, that's deflating too. And I get it. Like one one fighter will fight that extra round and not get the win purse. But I, I feel like there's kind of an incentive there, right? Like yeah. you want that win. And also, like, I mean, you want the win on your record, I guess. Mm. Um, it, it's just sort of an idea that's kind of been playing in the back of my mind like that. I just wish, um, yeah, as I say. And look, it's not like we have draws that often. No. Right, it's literally like once every blue moon, and mm. I just think like we need to get an answer, kind of thing. I want yeah. an answer. I don't. I don't want to rebook it down the yeah. track or whatever. I just want to see who would win that fight, you mm. know. Um, but look, uh, I'll, I'll start to kind of like diet down a little bit. But I, I want to ask you. So you said you got a fight coming up in in how long? Uh, It'll be four weeks on Saturday. So just, yeah, just over four weeks. So how how is that fight camp traveling? Um, do you know much about your opponent? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, how- yeah. Yeah, no, fight camp's good. Sort of, um, yeah, so the opponent is, his name's Samad. I'm going to, I'll butcher his last name. So I won't, I won't attempt his last name, but he's from Melbourne. Um, he's. Is the fight in Melbourne or? Up no, here? it's here. It's in uh, Bankstown in Yaguna. So I think that's, I think that's near Bankstown. But yeah, on Showtime promotion, so Shardy from I don't I can't remember his last name either, but he's from Sydney Fight Gym, and yeah, Samad, he's yeah he's he's fought a couple of people that I know. He's he's good, good tough. Like we'll keep coming forwards, good hands, sort of high work rate. So yeah, I I like that style. He's sort of been on my radar because he'd fought up around you know I'd seen him fight a few times around eighty six kilograms and. So I, I just knew that he was in a potential opponent. And when we couldn't find one, um, his name popped in my head. So I just said to the promoter, I'll try and get this guy. And he took it. Str- and he took it. So he took the fight, which was good. And yeah, fight camp. Fight camp's been good. I've, you know, trying to get good sparring in, trying, you know, spar people that are going to challenge me. We do a lot of uh, evolution. We do a lot of um, partner drills and flow drills. And I think that's what's really helped develop my style. So obviously doing all that sort of stuff, training at Ethos, doing my conditioning work. My, we do this thing called um, Evolution called Survival of the Fittest now, which um, which is a nice little play on words because like Evolution Gym and then the Theory of Evolution, Survival of the Fittest. So I thought that was pretty cool. But basically it's just it's five five-minute rounds. It's kind of like the spider that, um, that they do at City Kickboxing. And this is what... Ty's coach Stevie Asprey had me doing in quarantine. It was basically just so you do a five minute round, five five minute rounds, and every minute of the round is a different type of exercise. And you're just going, just emptying the tank every single minute. So after about the second minute, you feel rubbish. So it's it's just a men- it's essentially just a mental battle, and it's just trying to get you in that worst possible mental state and being able to push through that. So then. And I think doing that is what helped me get through that last fight that I was in because I, you know, when you're when you're in the last couple of rounds of the survival of the fittest, you're just your mind's just looking for ways out, just ways of trying to drop off the pace or trying to reasons why you can quit, but you just you know tell it to shut up and keep on pushing. And that helped me in that fight that I had um, a few weeks ago. But yeah, so just yeah, just doing those things for camp and. I enjoy fight camp because it's it's you know just it's about the journey and just who you become through it and so is this another five round fight? This is a three round, three fight. round. Yeah. So how confident are you? Yeah, always always confident. I feel. I'm, it's just like 
I feel like, like I, I guess what I'm asking is like I mean obviously every fighter goes in with confidence. Yeah. I mean otherwise you're in the wrong 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 business. Mm. Um. But like, do you like looking at him? I mean, once again, I don't know how well you know him, but like, does he bring any problems? Yeah. Like he's got. I mean, he's got a couple of knockouts. He's got a high work. Like I watch. He's a. I wouldn't want to fight him if he was a scrub. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't have asked for him. So he, you know, he. He does bring he does bring problems, but you know that that's what excites me the the fights where I get to get challenged and I know that he's going to be tough and keep coming forward. So, but in terms of confidence, I yeah, I just I just always I, I back myself to always be able to find a way to win, even if it's going badly, because that's all I've done so far. I've just I've just won, and and you know they've. You know, they've been against challenging opposition and people that have brought threats. And also, I just feel, you know, confident that I'm just a unique type of fighter. So it's it's very sort of the only time you're ever going to, you know, experience what it's like to, you know, someone similar to me is when you're actually fighting me. So it's I think that always plays well in, into my hands as well, because, you know, those first few rounds, you're trying to figure out what's going on and where the, you know, where the, where the kicks are coming from and the movement patterns and, and stuff like that. So not even that, like the one thing I noticed about you is you like to throw a lot of knees straight, mm. straight up the middle. And like to, to the point when we're talking about your height issue, like your, your kind of knees down the middle are literally like other people's teak kicks, right? Yeah. Like, um, which comes with the size advantage, I, yeah. gu I, I guess. Um, well, the, yeah. The knees have been, have probably been my best weapon of just, yeah, I've, I've had some pretty I mean, the first time I got like a knee sort of knockout the guy was just on the ground for just fight like five minutes just and I was sort of it was still like early on in my career so I was like oh what, like, what have I done but it was just it was just like a and then from, from that moment on I've just had that you know it's like the when when you just got a you know someone with like a big left hand like say like Connor's left hand he knows that if he lands it it's gonna it can change a fight like I just know with my knees that as soon as I land a clean one I know that it's going to be in their head that that could be coming again. And especially with the knee, because it's in a funny range where it's like when people get in that range, they're normally just worried about, you know, punches or elbows, but then the knee, and then their attention just goes away from the legs, but then the knee will just sort of crack into your liver. And then it's, yeah. And I mean, I have to say you got very good technique with that. Like, oh, um, thank you, thank you. right. Like, and as I say, like you really extend your hips and everything and, 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 and push it forward. And, and that's why I say like, if mm. I was going to put money on the fight, the money would be that you're going to throw knees because I just see every time you're fighting like that, that comes out multiple times yeah. per round, like and and it's clean, like mm. it's it's a very clean technique. Um, look, what I want to do is I want to try to open up to 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 Clubhouse, um, okay, which yep. which, is, which is a little app. Um, as I say, we've been experimenting, but it works sometimes. It doesn't. We had a couple of technical issues uh, a, a few weeks back, so I don't even know if. Um, you know, we, we will get something, but let, let's just open up the lines and see if anyone is actually out there. Um, if you're in Clubhouse, say hello. Hey, Dana. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Um, so yeah, Clubhouse seems to be working today, which is always a, a positive. So yeah, I'm, I'm just going to open the floor to you guys. Um, is, is there anything that you guys want to throw at uh, Charles here or Charlie, depending on which, which way <laughs> you want to refer to him? I mean, you know, you've just listened for the last hour, so I guess they're close enough to call you Charlie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Ladies first, Korea. 
Okay. Um, yeah, you mentioned that uh, like uh, you were talking about a fight and where you found kind of found the sweet spot and you just like when you were banging it, you know, it just landed or it was it was productive. I'm just wondering, like, what you know, how do you get to that spot more often? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, it was funny, and with that fight as well, what I'd call that fight, like the sweet spot, I felt like I was in the in the flow state. It was. You know, it was when, and even just with like the, I, I finished him in the second round and it was kind of like when I, I wasn't thinking, like I wasn't sort of consciously thinking, but when I was flowing through the the movements, the first shot I hit him with was, um, that dropped him was a, a liver shot, a liver punch. And I remember just like my, something just popping into my head that said liver shot. And I just sort of, as soon as it popped in, I just hit it and the opening was there and he dropped. And then when I, I finished him with a head kick and it was, and it was, and the same sort of thing happened. He, it, it just, something in my head just said head kick. And I just knew that the opening would be there to land and, and finish it. But how do I, getting into that spot more, more regularly, I'm not sure because my camp for that one was weird. I, I was in quarantine for two weeks and then I only had two, two or three weeks of training. And then in like my second sparring session, I broke my toe. So I stopped sparring and then my toe was a problem. So it was a weird camp. But So I think, so probably going into the fight, I just sort of let go of any expectations. I just thought, okay, well, camp's been a bit rubbish. Um, I've got this foot injury, so I can't kick with my left as much. So I'm just going to go in there, just let go and, and see what happens. So I think probably trying to get into that spot more, I've got to try and, or for anyone, it would be more about letting go rather than trying to hold on to an expectation of how... Because when you hold on to the expectation of how a fight's going to go, when it doesn't go that way, that's when you start panicking. But if you've got no expectations, you can just flow with it and and let whatever, what, what, you know, whatever you've been working on or whatever's inside you come out and, and perform. So, yeah, I'd say letting go of expectations would be how to get back into that that spot more if that makes sense let me ask you this though just to follow up on that um do you go in with a game plan to these fights or because i know obviously once again going back to your conor mcgregor he you know famously said he doesn't really like game plans it, purely because of that he said you can go in with a game plan something unexpected happens and then you kind of feel lost because obviously it wasn't part of the game plan so you as a fighter do you do you go in with a game plan and then adjust do you not go in with a game plan and just decide on the fly like what what's your kind of like um i guess way of hand like what's your mindset going into fights yeah i'd say I don't go in with a game plan. I sort of have a few things that I've, that we've been, like, we drill so many things during camp and then of sort of things that we think will land or things that we just want to put into my game and work on. And then when I actually go into the fight, it's more just about, I'd say my fight IQ is pretty high. So I'm more about, you know, the first round sort of making reads, seeing where the openings are and then just, just letting them flow from there. So yeah, I think I, I don't really like the idea of game plans and I've never really sort of bought into them because I just think, yeah, it's that, it's, you know, that, that expectation of, because it's like, well, how many game plans can you have? Okay. If that doesn't work, then what, do, okay, well, do I have a B? Do I have a C? Do I have a D? And then how far do you go until you're like, okay, well now I've just got to adapt anyway. And so, yeah, I'd say I wouldn't, yeah. Yeah. Fair play. Do we have anything else from Clubhouse? Yeah, definitely, Dennis. Dennis, I, I, I have a question. I have actually a follow-up question pending the answer. 
Um, Charlie, have you done a shoey? <laughs> I actually don't drink, so I haven't done a shoey. That's was the funny thing as well that people, um, you know, spending time with Ty. Ty likes obviously his shoeys and drinking and partying, and yeah, I don't really do. I just I'm just on the waters, so yeah. So no no shoeys for me. <laughs> I mean, that's cool, man. I, I respect that. Uh, I'll follow up with something different since, since the answer was no. Um, you, you spoke uh, spoke uh, a bit about sort of like the idea of forward thinking, right? And and we've seen kickboxers transition to MMA, most successfully being Izzy, right? If we, if we look at it recently, at least. Um, what do you think about the, the lead-up term and the preparation time for the grappling aspect? I'm not sure if you have any grappling background or experience, but... Um, knowing that you know that that potentially is the plan, where do you where do you see yourself in in the need to prepare yourself for you know grappling while being in the middle of a fight? Yeah, definitely. I think obviously, I mean, the grappling is is obviously a massive part of it. I think how I'm viewing the grappling at the moment is more from the the defense sort of aspect. So I want to build my game first first and foremost you know, on the defense, because my, my main priority is going to be trying to stay on my feet. So if I can have, you know, the first, that first sort of level of defense being the actual takedown defense off the cage in the middle of the, in the middle of the, um, the ring or the middle of the cage, then that's good. And then, and then slowly build other things from there, as opposed to, you know, building, you know, start trying to learn submissions even though my main aim is to try and be on, on the feet. I think I'll, yeah, as I'm doing now, learn the defense, that takedown defense, and then start building all the other aspects of the grappling on top of that as well. Because obviously you need to have a well-rounded game and your grappling in MMA actually builds into your striking as well and, and the threat of the grappling. And yeah, if people know, obviously know they can just take you down, then they won't be scared of your striking as well. So, yeah. I have a follow-up question for Joseph. Um, if the answer was yes to the shoey, what, <laughs> what was going to be the follow-up? Were you going to ask him to take a shoey right here, uh, right now? Or? No, man. I mean, <laughs> Dennis, you're awesome. Uh, no, I was going to be like, hey, man, I got to know the shoey story, right? Like, that was, that was, I felt like that was going to be a great concept was tell us a shoey story. I'll, I'll tell you, I've got a pretty, I guess a good shoey story was, Straight after the, I don't know, you might have seen the videos, but after Ty uh, beat Struve, but we're in Abu Dhabi and there's all the the, sh the sheiks uh, sort of watching as well, and I'm I'm pretty sure alcohol is is alcohol banned or there's some... yeah, it's a dry country, but they have yeah, but they have alcohol. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So so they didn't they didn't, and I think because of COVID stuff as well, they didn't want Ty to do the shoey in in the in the cage or or wherever so literally as soon as we walk out of the the cage we're escorted to dana white's private room which is just like just like filled with like a just the most ridiculous buffet and just 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 luxurious and then all the nelk boys are in there as well and then ty's just obviously ty's just pumped up because he's just you know is the Nelk boys the guys with that Steve will do it? Is that is that the Nelk? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, so they were at Fight Island for some reason, and they were just just doing weird stuff, like just doing crazy stuff the whole time. But um, but yeah, and then and then yeah, just from 
you know, so we got all these COVID restrictions and then, you know, doing the tests five, we did about six tests while we're there. We're having the, the nose swabs and all stuff like that, making sure we're social distancing masks everywhere. Then straight after Ty wins, he's in Dana White's room with a shoe, getting all the Nelk boys to spit in it and then doing the shoey there. Just in the middle, it's just, it's just a funny situation. Just one of those moments where you're just like, like, I never, I never saw this coming, like this whole, this whole environment. Now, have you ever asked him, like, because look, growing up, up up in Australia, I will say like the shoey, we all know about it. Like it, it isn't an uncommon thing. It's a bit uncommon, obviously, to do it as much as Ty does it. But like, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's not a new thing. Where did the spitting in the shoe come from though? Do you, do you know like the... <sighs> I think it's just like that. I think people just when they're having, when they're with their mates, they just have competitions of who can do the the most ridiculous stuff and then things just develop from there. Like he's he's told me other stories of things that his mates will do on on these benders that... I'm not going to share on a public platform, but yeah, they're they're pretty wild. I think the spit, yeah, the the shoeys aren't that crazy when you when you hear those stories. Yeah, damn, damn. Do we have any more questions? I got one more, um, Char- Charlie. You, uh, I'm you're six eight. You you're you're a heavyweight, I imagine, right? In MMA terms, uh, middleweight actually. S- sort of my next what? My, yeah, my next fight's at eighty five oh kilos. God. Yeah, yeah. Is that all right, that's what I was for a loop. So, so when you, uh, all right, so when you, I was going to ask you because of the sort of success we're seeing with kickboxers transition, right? Um, not just Izzy, but I was going to ask you about Francis and sort of how you, 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 you've observed him, but uh, considering you're not a heavyweight, it doesn't seem as applicable. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably trying to avoid Francis as much as possible, but no, I think, I think, I think there's a way to beat everyone. So I think it's just, it's you know with Francis it's obviously at the moment you just got to try not to get hit and obviously Stipe did that in the first fight Derek Lewis has done that in the in in their fight when they fought even though he didn't that wasn't really a game plan there was just not really much action going on there so I think he he definitely can get beaten but it's um I think at the moment he's just got that air of you know people are just scared of him at the moment and I think stepping in there he's got that sort of Mike Tyson vibe where people just defeated before the fight because they're, they're focused so much on the damage that he can do that they're not really thinking about what their game plan is going to be so i think yeah cool have we got any more uh dominic just joined us but uh no i think i'm good Dennis. uh charlie charlie great to hear from you man i wish you all the best of luck this this is really uh a great time for us you know there's only a couple of us in here. We we really really appreciate your time, Dennis and Charlie. We appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, I will say we 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 will get onto some uh, I guess fight picks and 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 since uh, we just brought up Francis, um, like I know that there's a toss up at the moment whether it'll be Francis versus Derek uh, number two, but just being a long rangey fighter the way you are. If the fight gets made between John Jones and and Francis, um, you know, uh, what do you think of that fight? Do 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 you think that uh, Jones has got the tools in the bag um, to to conquer this massive mountain that we all know as Francis, or or do you think that that power is just going to be too much? I think it's yeah. I mean, the thing with Jones, I guess normally when he fights, he's the the longer fighter, I, I suppose, except when he when he fought Gustafson. And I mean, the first time 
where Gustafson, Gustafson didn't really go that well for him and many people thought he lost that fight. I think he's definitely got the tools to be able to beat him, but it's it's the way that I think I can't remember. I think it's Teddy Atlas described Deontay Wilder as having like the the eraser, like the and it just erases all your mistakes of the fight, that that power in the right hand. And it's it's just one of those things where, you know, I guess Francis could be losing the, the whole fight, but he just lands one clean and and it's um it's good night. So I think yeah, technically, skill wise, Jones has what it takes to to beat him. But the thing is with that, when he's got to do that, he's I don't think he'll finish Francis, so he's got to be able to do that for five five minute rounds. Whereas Francis just needs to land one clean shot. So it it always feels like in these situations the odds are going to be in the favor of someone like Francis. But yeah, Jones definitely has the skills to to beat him. I get. I guess the other thing is like Jones is used to having that range, and you know we always talk about that he's got the mm. the longest range in in the game, but he only really gives up one inch mm. when it comes to Francis. Yeah. So he doesn't have that range that he's used to. I guess at, mm. at light heavyweight, right? Yeah, and that yeah, I think that would be another problem. And we sort of saw that with Gustafson. He really struggled the first time. Obviously in the rematch, he he just dominated him. But um, but yeah. Yeah, so I think I don't oh know. That's a, I think that's a fifty-fifty. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll stay with the uh, the Australians right now. So we got Alex Volkanovski um, as a tough coach now. Have you have you had any sort of um, doings with Al, uh, Alex Volkanovski? No, I haven't actually. No. Okay. I'll, okay. No. Yeah. So you got the Volk, and uh, you got Brian Ortega. They're now going to do this, you know, this journey in the in the tough house together, and and obviously the long-awaited match there. How do you how do you see that one play out, and who do you like on that one? I think that's um, I think that's a nice matchup for Volkanovski, especially if he if he strikes in that structured sort of style that he did for the first Holloway fight. I think, yeah, I think Ortega looked really good against. Korean zombie, but I think, yeah, I think I think that style matched up nicely for him. So I think I think Volkanovski, yeah, takes out Ortega. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I I, I guess really Ortega has a submission game over Volkanovski, but I think yeah, I think I think he's he's stronger everywhere else. So I think that should be a a good win for the Aussie. Perfect. Now we wanted Robert versus Izzy number two. Mm. We got Izzy versus Mar Marvin number two. How do you see that one? I think similar to. I think it will. I think Izzy's just going to get in Marvin's head and just make him, just be aggressive, and I think it'll just be the the matador and the bull sort of situation. Like maybe similar to that first to the first Rob fight, I'd say. I, th I see that going. I think, uh, yeah, I think Izzy's just, I mean, I think the size, obviously, I mean, I feel like Marvin's almost as big as Jean is, like in terms of like when he refuels as well. But yeah, I think, I think Izzy would just be too, too much, too technical for him. And I guess this one, I'm going to know the answer on, but I, I just want to obviously get your take on it. Ty, Greg Hardy. Yeah. Um, how's Ty looking? I'm, I'm assuming you're going to go with Ty on this one, but like, how, how's he looking and how do you see that, that, that fight play out? I think, yeah, I think, I think Ty's just going to be too, too much for Hardy. I think, I think 
I respect Hardy with what he's done. Maybe not necessarily. I don't respect him as a person, but with what he's done in MMA and in the UFC for for where he came from, with the limited experience he has. But I think I think it matches up nicely for Ty. I think he's just gonna he's just gonna bust him up. Those leg leg kicks and you know he's improving every time. He's getting so much more structured with his striking. I think the um, the athleticism advantage actually goes into Ty's favor because we we've seen Hardy you know, essentially quit from exhaustion as well. So yeah, I think if Ty doesn't finish him quick, I think he can he can he can drag him into deep waters and just I think he'll want to just beat him up for the whole fight, to be honest. I think he's like he's he's keen to yeah do some damage. Perfect man. Well that that that's pretty much it. Like um so I guess we're gonna kind of round it out now. Um and I always give people the opportunity, obviously, you know, I, I always say if, if people kind of want to, well, f- first and foremost, I will just say when, when I invited you on, I had no idea you had a fight coming up, right? So mm. first of all, I, I obviously want to, uh, you know, wish you the best of luck um, on, on that fight. If people are wanting to, I guess, tune in, like, are tickets on sale already? Um, or, yeah. or are they waiting to see what happens with this barbecue guy and the COVID scandal that's going on at the moment? Um, do, you, do, do you know, like, are, are tickets on sale? Yeah, yeah, tickets are on sale. So, I mean, you can purchase them through me or through, so obviously contact me via social media or you can, uh, you can purchase them through Evolution Gym as well. So, yeah, I've got ticket details. I'm not sure if there's going to be a live stream of it. Um, if there's not a live stream, I normally live stream through my social media somehow. So, yeah, there'll, there'll be a live, there'll be some form of live stream regardless. Dana, yeah. Dana White's going to love you once you make it to the US. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> uh, but no, look, uh, so, okay, on that, we'll, we will round it off. Um, for, for people that want tickets or for people that just want to like tune into your journey or, or, or just even maybe ask you some questions on socials or, or whatnot. What's kind of the best way of people reaching out to you, you know, making some sort of contact? Yeah. Reach. Yeah. Instagram is the one I use the most. So that's, um, underscore Charles Joyner. And I've also got a YouTube and I've got a few vlogs and stuff up there as well, which, uh, which I think are pretty entertaining. Uh, I cop some stick for them sometimes doing the whole vlog thing. But um, no, they're pretty good. So that I think, yeah, my YouTube is just Charles Joyner, and it's got this this logo is the is the thing. So you'll be able to find it if you yeah if you search it. But yeah, they're, they're the main two really: Instagram and YouTube. Perfect, man. Well, as I said, like that's that that's pretty much I I I'll get from you, and uh, I I really do appreciate your time. Um, once again, best of luck. Uh, for your upcoming bout um, I did check out your YouTube I will say and, and the only thing I will say is like I, I like the uh, little intro piece you did to your uh, I think it was like Journey to Greatness or something like that and you were like and this is my story and I was like okay <laughs> so I, I, I get that but look thank you again um, as I said like hopefully people will tune in um, obviously people that aren't in Sydney uh, follow Charles on his Instagram and hopefully we'll get some illegal streams going on Uh, But until that time, best of luck and hopefully get you back at a later date. Uh, Thank you so much and uh, remember to stay blessed. I'm away. I'm away.